Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. Have you ever hitchhiked? I think it's a lot less common nowadays now that stranger danger is more of a well-known concept. Still, if it's something that you like to do to move around, you may rethink that after hearing Colleen's story. Also known as the girl in the box, Colleen's traumatic abduction, which happened back in the 70s, is one of the most well-known missing person cases in history. So let's jump right in. On May 19, 1977, 20-year-old Colleen Stan decided to hitchhike from her home in Eugene, Oregon to get to her friend's birthday party that was located in California. Hitchhiking was nothing new for Colleen. She had done it many times before, and she even considered herself to be kind of an expert. She trusted her gut and only got into vehicles of people that she felt comfortable with. 
Her journey to California was going quite smoothly most of the day as she accepted rides from several different drivers and she inched closer and closer to her destination. She was about two hours away from arriving at her friend's party in Red Bluff, California, and she just needed to get maybe one or maybe two more drives to make it. There were several different cars who stopped and offered the pretty redhead a ride. However, she declined as none of them felt safe to her. Then a young couple pulled up along the road beside her in a blue van and asked her where she was headed. It was 23-year-old Cameron Hooker and his wife, 19-year-old Janice. They felt like a safe bet. They looked friendly, approachable, and they were her age. The fact that Cameron's wife was with him also really helped. In the back seat, all bundled up was their eight-month-old daughter. From outward appearances, they looked like a really happy little family. Now there's something within us women that feels safer if we know that there's going to be another woman there. It's kind of interesting because that is the exact tactic that Willie Picton, aka the serial killer pig farmer, would use. He would bring other female sex workers into his truck to pick up other female sex workers to use as victims. The idea that an individual would play upon this sort of safety net is truly disturbing, but apparently it works. So, of course, Colleen accepted. She had already spent so much time traveling so far that the hooker's vehicle looked like a good option to make it the rest of the way. Unfortunately, this would be a huge mistake. About 30 minutes into their drive, Colleen would realize just how big of a mistake it was, but it was too late. She had this nagging feeling in the pit of her stomach that something was off. She just couldn't shake it, and she couldn't figure out why the hell she felt like that. But when the van stopped at a gas station and she went to use the washroom, she almost bolted. But she didn't. She got back into the van, reassuring herself that whatever she was feeling was all just in her head. About half an hour later, the blue van pulled into a remote area, clearly not Colleen's destination. Cameron pulled Colleen out of the van at knife point and forced her head into this large, heavy box that weighed around 20 pounds. This is the type of contraption that you'd find in the movie Saw, and it's so scary to imagine having to put this on your head. The box was stale, it didn't allow for fresh air to flow inside, and it blocked out all light and sound. It was lined with soundproofing material, basically isolating her from the world around her so that she would have no idea where she was or what was happening outside of the box. What Colleen didn't know was that Cameron and his wife had spent the better part of their day driving up and down that highway looking for a young female hitchhiker to pick up. Colleen was their ideal target. Cameron had these uncontrollable fantasies about rough sex and bondage. He had been dreaming of kidnapping a young woman to make into his sex slave for quite some time now. Up until that point, Cameron had forced his young wife Janice to fulfill these fantasies, but now he had wanted to take it one step further. The idea of locking a woman away and using her as he pleased excited him. Once Colleen had this head box on, she was put into the back of the blue van and they drove a little further until they arrived at a house. 
This was very much planned out and everything had been set up to keep Colleen hostage in the home. Cameron led Colleen down the stairs to the basement where she was tied to the ceiling by her wrists so that she couldn't escape. Then he blindfolded her, beat her, and left her hanging by her wrists while the couple engaged in sex right below her. Prior to kidnapping Colleen, Cameron and his wife Janice had made a deal. Janice was getting tired of having to submit to whatever violent sexual fantasies that Cameron had, so she had said to him that she would allow him to bring in someone else, on one condition. Janice did not want her husband to engage in penetrative sex with anyone else except for her. Now, there are a lot of different opinions and feelings about Janice and the role that she played in all of this. Janice would later say that her husband physically and sexually abused her throughout their marriage. She said that she was afraid that he would kill her if she didn't comply. But she was also getting tired of being subjected to his violent fantasies, which is why she agreed to help capture Colleen. Some people believe that Janice is a victim herself, while others think that she could have prevented this entire thing. She could have said no, she could have let Colleen go, but instead, she participated. When the couple was finished with having sex, Cameron forced Colleen to climb into a small wooden box where she would basically live when she wasn't allowed out. It was about the size of a crate. It was large enough for her to sit up inside, but it wasn't big enough for her to lie down in. This meant that she would have to sleep sitting up while she was bound by these chains. He had built this wooden box specifically to keep his victim in to prevent them from escaping. They were going to live their life normally while they kept her down there. Cameron would go to work every day as a lumber mill worker, and Janice would be upstairs caring for their baby as if nothing was going on. Colleen would be kept in the box for up to 23 hours every single day. She would only be taken out to eat whatever little food scraps that they would give her. She would be allowed to use the bathroom, and then she would be abused. She would be beaten, whipped, burned, and electrocuted. And then she was forced to watch Cameron and Janice have sex. This would happen basically on repeat every single day. A few months into being held as a hostage, Cameron came up with this genius idea. Honestly, I don't have a clue what the point of this was because it wouldn't have any sort of legal standing. But he made Colleen sign a document that he had created as a quote-unquote slave contract. Meaning, in his head, if Colleen were to sign it, she would be contractually obligated to become his entire life and do whatever he asked her to do. At least that's what he believed, because obviously such a contract is not legal. Colleen would be forced to change her name to Kay upon the couple's request, and she was ordered to call them Master and Ma'am, which is extremely nauseating. This was just another tactic that they used to separate themselves from what they were doing to her and to completely dehumanize her. Taking away a person's name and giving them this new identity as a slave, in my opinion, is a kind of mental warfare. It's a way to make her forget who she was and to lose hope that people are actually missing her.
My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes. Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors Fresh, Never Frozen meals that are also dietitian approved. No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. While Cameron had initially agreed with his wife, Janice, that he wouldn't have penetrative sex with Colleen, as the months passed, that agreement changed. Cameron convinced Janice to allow him to rape Colleen. And again, 
This would happen on a daily basis in between the beatings and the torture. The months would turn into years, though Colleen found it difficult to keep track of how much time she had spent locked up in that basement. And over the years, Cameron and Janice would have another daughter. Their children would grow older, with more risk of them venturing down into the basement and finding out their parents' dirty little secret. At one point, they decided to move out of their house and then into a mobile home, which obviously doesn't have a basement for them to keep Colleen in. Instead, Cameron decided to build another box, similar to the first box that he had built to keep Colleen in, but with a few minor adjustments. This box was around the same size as a coffin, which meant that Colleen could now lie down in the box instead of being forced in an upright sitting position all of the time. It would have been a bit more space for Colleen, but not really. Imagine being locked away inside of a coffin for 23 hours a day. It triggers my claustrophobia. And it definitely didn't help that the couple kept this new box underneath their waterbed in their master bedroom. It would have been stifling hot with no airflow underneath that bed. Even though Cameron was kind enough to put air holes in the top of the box to let Colleen breathe, sometimes the temperature in that box would reach up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius. This in itself would have been an extremely cruel form of torture. Because they were now in a mobile home and didn't have a basement to allow Colleen in and out of, they had to let her out into the mobile home with their daughters just an hour or two at a time so that she could clean their house or take care of their kids. Then she would go back into the box under their bed. The kids had no idea that their parents were keeping her there. They knew her as Kay, and they believed that she was just a friend or a helper of their parents, and they were told that she went to her own home at night. This way, nothing would seem out of the ordinary. And again, this really just shows the level of mental manipulation and control that Cameron and Janice used. Because Colleen could have attempted to escape when she was out of the box, or try to get help from their daughters. Now she could hardly remember the days when she was known as Colleen and not Kay, and she felt defeated. To further ensure that Colleen wouldn't try to get away from them, Cameron made up this elaborate story about a secret group known as The Company, who worked together as an international human trafficking network. According to Cameron, members of this group were watching Colleen at all times, and he told her that if she ever even attempted to escape, they would find her and they would kill her, as well as her entire family. This was all a made-up bullshit story, but Colleen believed every word, and she was more terrified of what the company might do than any sort of violence inflicted on her by Cameron. Mentally, she was exhausted. Physically, she was in pain, not only from the daily beatings and torture, but also the severe back pain and damage to her body from being in that box the majority of every day. Still, she did not try to run, and she did not attempt to get help. She stayed in that mobile home, under that waterbed, living in that box for years. She was so fearful of the company and what might happen if she tried to get help, that what she did next might shock you. Approximately three years into being held hostage, 
Cameron allowed Colleen to visit with her family. It was only once he knew that she was completely under his control. He would drive Colleen back to Oregon to visit with her mother and her father. Cameron and Colleen lied and said that he was her fiancé, which was a huge relief to her parents because over the years, they thought that she had ran away and joined a cult. She would not utter a single word about the fact that she had been kidnapped, raped, and tortured by these monsters over the past year. Her parents believed the engagement to be real. They were so convinced that they even took a picture of Cameron and Colleen together, thinking that it was a lovely picture of their daughter and her new fiancé. Colleen Stan would be held captive for seven years, between 1977 and 1984. Seven years is a long time to be around someone 24-7, and so Colleen had developed Stockholm Syndrome. She had this connection now to Cameron, and so she basically accepted whatever he did to her. She didn't complain, she didn't try to escape, she didn't retaliate or really fight back for those seven years. She was even allowed to have a part-time job working outside of the home as a maid, which she did dutifully while never uttering a word about being abducted. She took walks around the neighborhood, she went jogging, and she kept her mouth shut. Now that Cameron felt like he could really trust Colleen, he began to talk about making her his second wife, a decision that his first and only wife, Janice, did not agree with, even if it meant that she would have to go back to being his punching bag and sex slave. What Janice was really worried about happening was Cameron deciding that he didn't need her anymore now that he had Colleen, and then possibly getting rid of her by leaving her or even killing her. So Janice decided to help Colleen escape. First, she had to break those imaginary chains by telling Colleen that the company was not real. No one was watching her. It was completely made up as a way to control her. No one would come after her or her family if she left. And that was all Colleen needed to know to sum up the courage to finally try to escape after seven years. Janice promised to help her get away so long as she didn't go to the police. She told Colleen that her husband was just sick and she was going to try to help him to become a better person. Colleen agreed not to speak out. One day in 1984, while Cameron was at work, Janice dropped Colleen off at the bus station. Colleen called her father and asked that he buy her a bus ticket. She didn't mention anything about the abduction, the rape, or the abuse on the phone. She just told him that she needed money to get back home to Oregon, and her father agreed. Then Colleen called Cameron to tell him that she had escaped. Again, this is likely due to her Stockholm Syndrome. She almost felt bad that she was leaving him. And reportedly, Cameron cried when he found out that she was gone. The mental control that Cameron still had over Colleen was extreme. She returned home safely to her family in Oregon, but she decided not to speak a word about what had happened to her. Not to the police, not even to her parents. I can't imagine returning home after being held as a slave for seven years and then not telling anyone what I had been through. 
Time passed and Colleen tried to move on with her life, though she would still frequently call Cameron to see how he was doing. Again, she had suffered a great deal of mental anguish, and she believed that at the heart of it all, Cameron could change. And so, it wouldn't be Colleen who would finally blow the whistle on Cameron. It would be Janice, who was once again Cameron's target and forced to play out his horrible fantasies. She told her pastor about what had happened. She was hoping that the pastor might be able to help Cameron to heal and to become this supposed better man through prayer. No such luck. Her pastor immediately went to the police, armed with information that Janice had given him. He told the police all about Colleen's reported abduction and torture. Cameron Hooker was arrested on November 18, 1984, a few months after Colleen had escaped and returned to Oregon. The trial would bring out some wild information, including testimony from Janice, who said that Colleen was not even the first young lady that they had abducted. Janice would say that a year before they took Colleen, Cameron had abducted 19-year-old Marie Elizabeth Spanahake in the very same way as she was hitchhiking. She was held captive in their home, where she was subjected to the very same kind of treatment, basically being physically abused, tortured, and sexually assaulted. However, Janice claimed that Cameron eventually killed her. Unfortunately, Janice's story could not be confirmed as they had no idea where her body was and still to this day, Marie's body has never been found. So Cameron has never been charged with her death. Janice would also retell how she was an abused wife who was regularly subjected to horrific treatment by her husband. She said that she was very fearful for her life and thought that it was only a matter of time until he murdered her, which is the only reason that she ever agreed to abduct Colleen. In exchange for her testimony against her husband, Janice was granted full immunity for her role in the abduction and torture of Colleen. Cameron would argue that while, yes, he did kidnap Colleen, she was the one who signed the contract and decided to stay even when she had every opportunity to leave. He made it sound like it was her decision to stay and that he never forced her to do anything. The courts did not agree with this bullshit contract as if he ever had a chance with the pathetic contract that he had her sign. And Cameron Hooker would be found guilty of multiple counts of kidnapping and assault, and he was sentenced to serve 104 years behind bars. In 2015, he was given a parole hearing due to his age. California has a parole program for their elderly prisoners who are allowed a hearing after they serve 25 years of their sentence. Now, apparently, Cameron had not changed all that much at that point because his parole request was denied. However, just this month in March of 2023, Cameron Hooker is back in the courts attempting to be paroled. His court date is scheduled for March 27th, and the prosecution is trying everything that they can to make sure that it doesn't happen. They want him categorized as a sexually violent predator. Tehama County District Attorney Matt Rogers said in a recent interview with KRCR that people in the community are very much on edge as they want him to stay behind bars. He said, quote, 
People still are very vocal about this case. They are still very fearful that Cameron Hooker could be released and returned to our community because of what he did. Because of the magnitude and seriousness of what he did. They are concerned to this day and they vocalize that. I hear that with some frequency. People who are concerned about this case asking what can be done, what's being done, and trying to make sure that he is not released. For now, we're going to have to wait to see what is decided, but for obvious reasons, I think the best thing for everyone is if he stays behind bars forever. As for Colleen, she is an amazing badass survivor who would do her very best to move forward and turn her trauma into something good. She changed her name and she has undergone very intensive therapy to try to heal. She got married, she had children, and she went back to school to earn an accounting degree. Now, she helps other women who have suffered from abuse to heal through their own experiences and stories. She wrote a book called The Simple Gifts of Life, and it's available on Scribed if you'd like to learn about Colleen's experience through her own lens. There's also an oxygen special called Snapped Notorious, Girl in the Box, There you can listen to Colleen relay her story of survival. 30 years have passed, I'm better, I'm healed, I'm doing good, I've got on with life. And then things like this come up and it just kind of has a way of pulling you right back to that event. In the nightmares, yes, I'm I'm there and, and he's got control of me again. I don't know what his health issues are, I don't know where he's at physically. Um but, uh, or mentally, but I really don't think he's some little feeble old man who's just gonna, you know, (laughs) not do it again. I really thought when Judge Clarence Knight gave him 104 years that I wouldn't have to worry about it, that he was gonna be in prison for the rest of his life. She did whatever that she needed to do to stay alive, and that's what matters. Though it's never been proven, it is likely that Cameron killed his first victim, Marie Elizabeth Spanhake, and that could have very well happened to Colleen if she didn't do what she was told to do. That's it for me tonight. If you want to reach out, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I post things on TikTok, Serial Napper Nick, and that's all one word. If you're watching on YouTube, I'd love if you can give me a thumbs up, like, and subscribe. Did you know that I record all of my podcasts on video too? Check it out. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments. Bye.